Welcome to Life Talks with Stephen and Pat. Okay, let's get started. Welcome, everyone. So good to have you with us, and we're going to adventure into, again, the Word of God with Proverbs 6. Pam, this is another, oh man, I guess just the whole book of Proverbs. I keep saying this is an exciting one. but I'm so excited. This is going to be so good. Pam, this chapter is really about a fascinating subject. It's about getting the worth and the weight of your personal word back. I like that. You know, there used to be a saying that a man was only as good as his word, but this society, you know, somehow it's lost its virtue by way of situational ethics. Mm-hmm. Now we're living in a world that justifies their compromise with the sliding rule of morality. Mm, that was pretty cool, right? Very. <laughs> this chapter will help you get back the value and effectiveness of your word. That's a good thing. And will help you protect it from all kinds of traps going forward. Boy, this is going to be good today. It is. This is exciting. This is really going to be good today. Proverbs 6, just such another great download of the wisdom of God to set everyone listening up for success, life, peace, joy. Wow. So, Pam, why don't you kick us off with a prayer? Father, we thank you that you're going to breathe on this word and you're going to declare, disclose, and transmit the will of the Father to us, Holy Spirit. We receive, we understand, and we quickly do. And everything we touch then will succeed for your glory. Amen. Proverbs chapter 6. Here we go. Starting off verse 1. My son, my daughter, if you have become security for your neighbor... If you have given your pledge for a stranger or another... Number two, you are snared with the words of your lips. You are caught by the speech of your mouth. I remember Pam as a little boy. That was something that my mom began speaking this verse to me, verse two, and really began helping me to curb my negative talk. Mm. I think I was predisposed to being a little bit negative with my tongue. And I remember my mom saying, remember what Proverbs 6 verse 2 says, You're snared with the words of your mouth, so don't say that. I think we need to realize that your mouth ends up being the birthing place for a lot of your thoughts and the ideas that come in your heart. Remember, for all of us, whether you're a man or a woman, your heart is the womb of your life. When the seed gets into the womb of your life for either bad or good, you give birth to that thing, whether mm-hmm. it's bad or good. Yeah. And that's why you don't just say whatever comes into your mind. And here it's talking about even being security for your neighbor, being a co-signer. And the Bible is against that. Proverbs says, don't make a pledge for a stranger or for another. You know, you got to be very cautious mm-hmm. and consider who you're co-signing for. And don't do this. And it says you're snared, like you're taken with the words of your mouth. When you make a covenant... Heaven and earth witnessed that covenant. And so for me, that started a a real history of weighing my words, letting my yes be yes and my no be no, but weighing my words cautiously and not making a covenant to people. And you know, that could be something as simple as somebody saying, hey, we're doing this tomorrow night. Stephen, are you going to be there? Yeah, I'll be there. But in my mind thinking, "Uh, I don't know if I really want to be there, but I'll just say that because that's kind of what everybody wants to hear (laughs) right now. right. Right, we want to be like kind of... You know, not just politically correct, but we also want to be socially, that's kind of the socially right thing to say, yeah, sure, there's a little affirmation for you. But in your heart, you're already thinking, I'm not going to be there. See, that's a lie. Yeah. I used to remember, you know, it go shopping or something in the mall and, you know, like clothing store or something, I'd try something on and 
And I felt kind of bad because the lady waiting on me or something, I know she wanted a deal and wanted to, you know, get a sale. So I go, oh, would you hold that for me for an hour? And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go around and think about it. And would you hold that for an hour? Because I'll probably be back. And, you know, a lot of times you go, honey, you have no intention of going back. <laughs> but I was, I felt like I was being merciful because I was like, well, I feel so bad. Like, she Throwing wants to say a little affirmation bomb there. There <laughs> we go, go. Yeah, but that's not being truthful. And so, you know, even little stuff like that. And also, I think this is far deeper than even like we always think of money here or different things, but also even really being cautious to the people. It talks about your neighbor and your stranger. It's not your friend or family. Did you notice that? It's not like somebody you're really, 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 really intimate with. Right. And I think it's very important, even when I lend my name, when you lend your name to somebody and you say, I can vouch for Pam. If you have a good name, which is to be chosen above riches, you can't just endorse. You can be kind and not say anything negative. But when you endorse me, you're using your good name. So don't be flippant with your words. You better know you can endorse that person. And you know, listen, this goes with your signature. This goes with your, if you make a deal with somebody and you borrow money or some kind of investment and you say you're going to pay a certain amount of money, don't just shirk that off. It's saying you're snared with the words of your mouth. You're caught by the speech of your mouth. If you say something, the Bible talks about even swearing to your own hurt. If you said you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. Make it right. Right. And that's why when you give your word on something, be very cautious about giving your word because if you don't do what you said you're going to do, you can't keep your word. And a man or a woman that keeps giving their word but it doesn't return to them. They can't keep it. At a certain point, your word becomes powerless in your life and you never want to get to that place. And your credibility, people love you and you can be sweet, but I really... I've really watched this even in the last couple of years for me. Sometimes I'd overbook myself so much. You know, I had every intention in the world at being at five places at one time. <laughs> Thought I could do I it. I want to love everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could do that, 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 that. And, and, you know, I realized I was being late or having to cancel. And I was realizing, you know, you said to me, honey, not only does God see it, you're hearing yourself and now you're not even believing your own word. So, you know, keep your word as much as you can or don't over you know, uh, say I'm going to do all this stuff. Be wise. Yeah. Verse three, do this now. So here's the remedy. Do this now at once and earnestly, my son and my daughter, deliver yourself. You don't see that very often, right? Like, I mean, Jesus is supremely our deliverer, but there are times when you've done something wrong, when you've been snared with the words of your mouth, when you've made a wrong covenant, a wrong agreement, or you're not paying your debts, it says, do this now at once earnestly. Deliver yourself when you have put yourself into the power of your neighbor. Go, bestir, humble yourself. You start with humility. You know, humility is always a great place to start. Start with humility, and then it says, beg your neighbor to pay his debt and thereby release you. Or give not unnecessary sleep to your eyes nor slumber to your eyelids. What this does not say is be driven. Because all through the word, it's rest in the Lord. The Lord will give us sweet sleep. That is all through the word, all through the Bible. It is saying that just people who lay on the couch all day and eat bonbons, you know, eat chocolate all day and stuff. It's just saying, be strategic, be deliberate, have a plan. Right. And you're probably going to sleep better, too, if you make things right right now. And, you know, you told Bob you're going to be there tomorrow. 
And you and I know you're not going to be there. So you know what? Don't, don't stay up all night. Don't even have Just, dinner yet. Like, yeah. I mean, dinner's ready on the table. Make the phone call now. Phone right. Bob up and say, Bob, you know what? I said I was going to be there tomorrow, but truth is I've already got plans or or I just don't. That's just not my thing. I'm not going to that event. But don't give any time or slack to it. Take care of it now. Mm, Verse 5, good. deliver yourself. There we are again. Deliver yourself. Some people are going, oh, Jesus, save me. If you've put yourself in covenant or in a wrong relationship or in a wrong agreement, you don't need Deliver to pray yourself. about it. Yeah. Deliver yourself, it says, as a roe or a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Like, see, you have more power than you realize to keep your word, deliver yourself, and make good on your vows and your promises. You know, there's so many times that we can even in business or situations continue to hire wrong people when we know in our heart, no, 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 allowed, don't do it, don't do it. And we continue to do it and then wonder why we continue to lose and and we're frustrated and in our business or our thing is not going forward. It's because we're not delivering ourselves. Right. What God, what are you doing? God's not doing anything. We're not delivering ourselves from a situation that we could deliver ourselves from. I know a woman that was going to, she felt peer pressure from a group of associates from work and stuff to host a party at her house. And she's a believer and they were going to be drinking and she knew that there was going to be a lot of stuff that she didn't believe in or support, but she felt pressure and everybody's like, well, you know, um, Margaret, we can have it at your place, right? And she, peer pressure kind of heaped up and the next thing you know, she's signing off and saying, yes, you can host the party at my place and, and trying to justify it in her heart saying, well, my home is a Christian home, so therefore somehow it'll just... You know, it'll make everything right, and I'll influence them for Jesus. And but it's stealing her rest, stealing because yeah. she's convicted, she's worried, she's yeah. fretting. She knows what's going to go on and the talk that's going to go on. She's basically made a vow. She's made an agreement. Right. And so, you know, the word is saying, Margaret, deliver yourself. And that's what she ended up doing. I mean, her peers at work weren't happy with her. Right. But she spoke the truth. She said, guys, not condemningly, or she wasn't pointing a finger. She just said, guys, I can't host the party. I'm sorry. I was kind of spoke a little too quickly. I shouldn't have signed on. She gave them a reason that wasn't like looking down her nose at them. But, you know, again, deliver yourself as a roe or a gazelle from the hunter. Verse 6. Go to the ant, you slugger, consider her ways and be wise. 7. Which having no chief, overseer, or ruler. Number 8. Provides her food in the summer and gathers her supply in the harvest. I think this really is all these scriptures, kind of the last four scriptures, have talked about order have talked about diligent, have talked about being prudent and discerning and what to do and what, just being diligent, being consistent. What we've learned from the ant is plan ahead. Plan ahead, yeah. The Word of God is saying, don't be lazy, plan ahead. Right. Start putting stuff away now. Don't wait until, you know, in the sweet by and by. Verse 9, how long will you sleep, O sluggard? When will you arise out of your sleep? 10. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to lie down and sleep. I just want to inject here, this is not saying, again, all through the word, you can read it over and over again, God wants us to sleep. At the prop time. The psalmist said God gives his beloved sweet sleep. Sweet sleep. It's important. You don't need to be up all night long, every single night. It's talking about, let's say even like 
sometimes that you're even being lured to slumber by you know, watching TV for 10 hours and lulled into a slumber mentally. It goes far deeper than like going on your bed and going to sleep. Sleep is being also, you're just asleep. You're not discerning. You're not keen. You don't even know what's prudent or not. You're disconnected. You're disconnected. You're numb inside. You're almost dead inside. And you know, like sometime if the Lord wants you to wake up a half hour early, that's not even an hour early, but even 15 minutes early. I don't have time to read the word or I don't have time just to sing a song to him. 15 minutes early, you can listen to like this podcast. You can sing a song to the Lord, maybe even read a few verses. Yeah, That's not a lot, but even stuff like that, being prudent to know what, you don't have to wake up at three in the morning unless the Lord directs you. But these are things of don't lull yourself to sleep on the couch with your emotions and your just vegging out. Yeah. Be strategic in life. So, you know, don't disengage and be distracted because look at what you just read, a little sleep, a little slumber, folding of the hands to lie down and sleep. And then verse 11, here's the outcome. So will your poverty come like a robber or one who travels with slowly but surely approaching steps and your want like an armed man making you helpless. And, you know, Pam, I like how you're doing that, painting it all within the context of refusing to plan ahead. Remember, yeah. we're, we're learning from the ant here. The ant is not striving and fretting and fussing, but just steadily busy going about their way, going about planning for the future. And, you know, statistically, they're saying that most families put far more planning into their vacation than they do into anything forward-moving in their life with regard to their children, with regard to their finances, with regard to their career, with regard to their marriage. Yeah, I know. Most couples put more planning into their vacations then they do put any planning into forward advancement for their marriage. Yeah, we can all do better than that. I talked to a really great business planner advisor who advised both big and small businesses. And he told me this, and just by the way, on the line of credibility, this guy is responsible for bringing in billions of dollars into a city of business, billions. So, I mean, he knows what he's talking about. And he was telling me, he said, Stephen, he said, most businesses who fail have this in common, no business plan. And he was just talking about the lack of planning for the future. He said, you know, so many businesses he consults with that they just don't get the advice. They don't get the counsel. They don't get the planning. Here's what the word is telling us. Learn from just the simple ant. It says that verse six again, remember, consider her ways and be wise. Having no chief or overseer or ruler provides her food in the summer, gather her supplies in the harvest. How long will you sleep? And I remember you saying it's consistency. I remember you saying a wonderful hero of the faith had mentioned this to you years ago when you were a teenager. I think he said, remember, Stephen, consistency is a rare gem. A rare gem. And I think consistency. My dad, amazing athlete, so fit. Sometimes, though, <laughs> I've seen him where, you know, he hasn't exercised for a long time, and then he decides to get on the treadmill and, you know, exercise for an hour full force, and then he's sore the next day, can't hardly walk. You know, we get excited, and we want to go full force or nothing, full force or nothing, full force or nothing. And I think if you think of the ant, they're just consistent, 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 yeah. consistent, That's one good. step at a time. That's good, Pam. Verse 12. 
A worthless person, a wicked man, is he who goes about with a perverse, contrary, and wayward mouth. So we're back to the mouth again. Mm -hmm. Now, now remember this. Sometimes people might read that and think, well, a wicked person with a wayward mouth, like obviously they speak, you know, a lot of foul language, a lot of four-letter words and tell dirty jokes. My friend, your mouth is wayward if you're doing like what Pam and I were talking about, where you're just saying, I will be there tomorrow. But in your heart, you're like, no, I won't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a wayward mouth. When you say, hey, um, you know, we're going to do this kind of business deal together and I'll pay you this. And then you just kind of vacate the building and you're not being consistent and doing whatever you can to take care of your vow. Right. You can't do that. That is defiling the weight of your words. You got to give your word, but then you got to keep it. It's got to be like a boomerang. You speak it out and then it comes back to you. And every time that happens, the weight of your word gets heavier and it becomes worth listening to. Verse 13, this person winks with their eyes. He speaks by shuffling or tapping with his feet. He makes signs to mislead and deceive and teaches with his fingers. So this guy's like, you know, he's just constantly trying to come up with little different... Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, different means of (laughs) communication. Look up here, look up here. Different means of communication that are kind of misleading. And it's like, well, well, you you know what I meant, right, Pam? Stephen, you you know what I meant. Like, it'll all work out. Verse 14. Willful and contrary in his heart, he devises trouble. Vexation and evil continually. He lets loose discord and he sows it. How does he sow it? With his mouth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, he could have a big old smile on his face and have his voice kind of like this, but be, oh, you know, this, oh my, but be sowing vexation and trouble. I've been around people before and I'm thinking, what is it? Even trying to reach out to them and consistently, I knew this one person, everywhere this person went, they brought confusion. Good, good people would be like almost like this heaviness would come over them. Everywhere yeah. they went, they almost had the smell and the toxicness that it made good people go into confusion, right. go into depression. It just was discord all around them. You know, we don't want to be people like that. No, we do not. Verse 15 Therefore, upon him or her, shall the crushing weight of calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall they be broken, and that without remedy. Mm, so, you know, the outcome of this is not pretty at all. Deceitful people, people who are constantly trying to mislead and deceive and trying to give a communication that could have a double meaning and then trying to backtrack on their promises and things like this. Like you don't even want to be in the room when the crushing weight comes down because it says it'll come down suddenly, they'll be broken and that without remedy. Now verse 16. These six things the Lord hates. Oh, I thought that was a bad word. You mean Mm. the Lord hates? And like you said, the Lord- But I thought God was love. Yep. The Lord is love, so these six things love hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. Oh, Number but I mean, one. but you know, hate is such a such a hard word. I mean, does the Lord actually hate? You know something? Because God has promised that He loves me and you. Because I'm so thankful for that. Hey, to all of our friends listening, because God has said that He loves you, and I know He adores you. It comforts my heart to know that God hates the things that will hurt that would try to hurt you, yeah. that would try to kill you, that would try to destroy your life and try to rob from you. Yes. God hates that stuff. He hates God hates, I think, disease that would try to oh, yes, he tear apart your body. So I mean that's good news. 
These six things Pam just read that the Lord hates, and seventh is an abomination. Verse 17, a proud look. God hates a proud look. The spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A lying tongue. And that's why we were talking about before, we've got to practice when you give your word. Yeah. Keep your word. Don't tell somebody you're coming back if you have no plan on coming back. Hey, (laughs) ruh-roh. Don't tell somebody that you're going to, oh, yeah, yeah, well, we're going to do everything we can to be there if you're not going to do everything you can to be there. Don't say that. You know, don't try. Well, I'm trying to make them feel good. Don't, because you're not making them feel good and you're lying. So a proud look is number one, a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood. Let me tell you something. If this doesn't prove to you that God detests abortion, six things does God hate. Hands that shed innocent blood. Man, that's like number three. And you know, that's the ultimate thing that's so precious in the sight of God is to protect and love the innocent, you know. But also, if you want to go deeper in innocent blood and even go to another level, the word also says that when you hate your neighbor, it's as a murder. And when you've committed adultery in your heart, it's like you've already done it. So when we want another person, an innocent person that's good, We deliberately want to put them down, to make them suffer, to take away any promotion from them in a way we're wanting to hurt them. It's awful. We're wanting to hurt the innocent. 18, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans, feet that are swift in running to evil. Isn't it interesting, Pam, as we're going through these six things that God hates, how it's not pointing the finger at the person so much as it is a proud look. God hates a proud look. Right. God hates a lying tongue. Uh-huh. God hates hands. hands that shed innocent yeah. blood. God hates a heart that manufactures and devises wicked thoughts and plans and feet that just are quick and enjoy running off to do evil. And then verse 19, a, a false, false witness. witness who breathes out lies, even under oath. You know, there's been court cases that have been in the public, even in the past year or so, where false witnesses are brought in to try to condemn a woman or a man. And God hates a false False witness who breathes out lies. God hates lies. Yes, he does. And it says, and he who sows discord among among the brethren. You know, I've known people, even within Christian circles and in churches, who try intentionally to sow discord between brothers, try to sow discord in between sisters, or even between husband and wife, or between daughters and their mother, or between sons and their father. God hates that kind of tact. And that's why, you know, accusations are so dangerous, because the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. Yeah, that's playing with fire. And so that's why even in our conversations, if there's a disagreement between husband and wife or between parents and children, never, ever get into accusation, because that's the lingo of the enemy. And so in this case here, God hates discord among the brethren, because God is so pro harmony, right. and love between brothers. Yes. Yeah. We talk a lot about, I'm a worshiper. We can have a great big necklace around our neck that says worshiper. We can walk in all sorts of giftings, in the prophetic, in the whatever. But if we do all that, and behind the scenes, we're not kind, we're sowing discord, 
We're putting other people down. How can you say you're a true worshiper or walking in the gifts if you're setting yourself, if you're doing things that God hates? Yeah. You know, it's kind of like your life becomes a contradiction of what you say it is. You've become a walking paradox. Yeah, that's no way to live. Number 20, my son, keep your father's God-given commandment and forsake not the law of God your mother taught you. Yeah. Verse 21, bind them continually upon your heart, tie them about your neck. So in other words, get the word on the inside of you, get it stapled and tattooed right on the inside of your heart, like in your mind, your will and emotions. And then even on your outside, like tie them about your neck, get the word, the commandments, the laws of life in visual places in your life. Like I like to have things on my computer, on my wall. You know, I always love it when we walk into the living room and we see Isaiah 32, 18, where it says, my people live in peaceful dwelling places and secure homes and undisturbed places of rest. You know, I look at that and it comforts me. It's the law of God over our life. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It's the way of God. It's not empty words. It's actually his character. Yeah. 22, when you go, they, the words of your parents, God, shall lead you. And when you sleep, they shall keep you. And when you waken, they shall talk with you. Isn't that powerful? That's really cool. So the word of God, it leads us and it directs us. Absolutely. When we sleep, it keeps us. So, you know, like you were talking earlier about that peaceful sleep. If you're struggling right now with a peaceful sleep, my friend, Get some more of the Word of God in your heart. Like I said earlier, listen to some of these chapters with us even before you go to bed because Joshua 1.8 says that if we meditate on God's Word in the morning and at night before you go to bed, if you meditate on God's Word in the morning and at night, you make your way successful and you shall have good success. Yes, You make your way prosperous and you shall have good success. But that's from meditating on God's Word. And part of you being successful is God wants you to have a deep, sweet sleep. And it says, and then when you waken, the words will talk with you again. Maybe you could even let Stephen Pam read some word to you again in the daytime. And then verse 23, for the commandment is a lamp. This word we're reading right now, this is turning on the light for me and you. It's turning on the light for our listeners. You may be going for a run today and dealing with a situation with your family and kind of like, not sure what to do, what God, what am I going to do? But as you're meditating on the commandments of God, It's like a light is turning on. And then it says, and the whole teaching of the law is light and reproofs of discipline are the way of Mm, life. Thank God for my father's reproofs Mm -hmm. of discipline. They're the way of life. You know, when God's reproving you, this is what it sounds like. Hey, daughter, no, no, don't don't get off the road right there. Stay. There you go. There's your feet. Oh, that's good and solid. (laughs) I don't want you tripping over there. Oh, not on that. Don't go too much to that side. Stay right on the pathway of life. There you go. That's the pathway of life for you. It's protected. You're safe. You're secure on the pathway of life. Son, don't go over there. Oh, no. Stay on the pathway of life. See, that's what God's reproof sounds like. It's loving. It's like, oh, don't go that way. It's not like, oh, well, don't go that way because, you know, because I don't want you to have a life or have any fun. God's got good things for us. He's saying, no, stay on the path because I want you to have a life. Right. I I want you to be blessed. (laughs) I want you to have fun, joy, peace. I want you to enjoy rightness. You know, there's nothing better than rightness when you've experienced some serious wrongness. So true. Oh my goodness. 
And wrongness know, just sucks. It does. <laughs> and you know, when we're going to say in 24, it says to keep you from the evil woman. When you, you stay on the path of the way of life and it's good, and you listen to God's direction, it'll keep you from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of a loose woman. Again, this is talking literal, but it's also talking descriptively to keep you from people that flatter, to keep you from people that want to pull you astray and don't forget, out of God's will. Don't forget, we learned at the beginning, these were Proverbs that God downloaded to David to give to his son Solomon. So this is a father talking to his son about relationships. And of course, we found out that King Solomon needed this talk and apparently should have meditated on this word a little bit more because even with all of his wisdom, he sinned against this and ended up getting in partnership with all these evil women, right? Right, right. And then he writes Ungodly the book of Ecclesiastes women. where he's yeah. going crazy. But verse 24, like you just said, keep you from the evil woman. So you could say to a woman to keep you from the evil man and yeah. from the flattery of the tongue of a loose man, because trust me, those guys do exist. Verse 25, lust not after her beauty in your heart, neither let her capture you with her eyelids. And a lot of times when the Bible talks about eyelids like that, it's talking about their imagination. Mm. Because when someone closes their eyes, that's what you see is their eyelids. And what's happening is they're imagining. So it's saying, don't lust after that person's beauty or that person's good looks. Or don't even lust after that person's position or their stuff. Right, right. Because lust is basically coveting and God's plans are always always better, better, right? Don't be seduced or captured by their evil imagination because they've got a wicked imagination. 26, for on account of a harlot, a man is brought to a piece of bread and the adulteress stalks and snares as with a hook. The precious life of a man. You know, it's the same thing. Or a woman. Pam, I've seen it happen right up close. A situation where I knew the people. Yeah. And the man was conning the woman, and it was awful. And she was brought to a piece of bread. It's people that have a manipulative situation that want to ensnare you and bring you into bondage. You know, it's interesting. The word, when it talks about lust in the Bible, when it talks about that hooking of a person in the Hebrew, the word for lust has a nail built right into that word for lust. And it literally, when you look it up the word, it shows how that they used to take people in captivity back in Babylonian days and things like that. And they would put a nail or a hook through their nose or through their lip, and they would lead people captive so that, you know, like you lead a bull, you put a ring in its nose. They would put a hook in their lip or in their nose. And that is truly the meaning of lust, to be hooked and to be under the power and the control of another person. So my friend, I'm telling you right now in the name of Jesus, you're set free. When the sun sets free, is free indeed. And the master has a way of getting you unhooked from that ugly thing that has got you under its power. Doesn't matter if it's pornography, doesn't matter if it's a wrong relationship, doesn't matter if it's a, a drug addiction, any kind of addiction, That thing may have its hook in you, but greater is he who is in you than he that's in this world. And right now, bring that thing to the foot of the cross in the name of Jesus and renounce it. To renounce it is to make a legal proclamation where you resign from that thing. Resign from that lust. Resign from that thing that's got you hooked. Put it at the foot of the cross 
and in its place receive Jesus as your Savior and your King. Receive Jesus as your Redeemer and the Lord of your life and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. That's you. Yes. Praise God. Thank That's you, good. Lord. And it says, verse 27, can a man or a woman take fire into their bosom and their clothes not be burned? So in other words, you know, we're talking about this whole being hooked and lust and all these things. There's always going to be an awful outcome. You can't take fire to your chest close intimately and you end up not getting burned and your clothes not get burned. 28, can one go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? It's always a bad outcome. Mm -hmm. Verse 29, so he who cohabits with his neighbor's wife will be tortured with evil consequences and just retribution. He who touches her shall not be innocent or go unpunished. Stay away. And I think once again, people read the word sometimes with such a different tone. So in other words, God's going to punish me. It's the law of reciprocity. Well, we just talked about that path, remember, where God's going, oh no, stay on this path. God doesn't want that to happen. When you get off of the path of rightness, Mm -hmm. let me tell you, there are ditches and holes and swamps of wrongness. There's and, snakes. There's and God doesn't want you in those ivy. pits. There's exactly. Gold. Yeah, thorns. You know, God doesn't want you in those swamps and pits and the muck and mire. You know, this is what I love about in Psalm 40, verse 2, it says that the Lord has brought me up out of a horrible pit and set my feet upon a rock. All of us were born in sin, and all of us, the Lord has brought us up out of a horrible pit. We were destined for hell, every one of us. But thank God we got a Savior, Jesus, who brought us up out of the pit. Yay! Amen! Okay, verse 30, going on to a different subject. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's hungry. But if he is found out, he must restore seven times what he stole. He must give the whole substance of his house, if necessary, to meet his fine. There still is a consequence. Yeah, there's consequences. But it's not like the person who steals and uh, is a robber for no reason. You know, it's really but good, it's Pam, still, because those two verses give us a really good overview in our Christian love and thought process toward people that mm-hmm. are even criminals. It says, men don't despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he's hungry. So it even goes to his motives. Right. Why is he stealing? Right. You know, and it tells us basically not to despise people, even if they're in the wrong. But then it says, if they're found, there's prosecution. Don't insulate them from the consequences. They need to restore. Right. They, they need to make things right. And then verse 32. But whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks heart, lacks understanding, lacks moral principle and prudence. Again, lacks having foresight for the future. And he who does it is destroying his own life. Wow. So it doesn't say God's destroying his life. No, not at all. He or she is destroying their own life. You're destroying your life. I had an email this was a couple of years ago from a lady. She was going on and saying how that her husband, he had had five affairs and he was on his sixth affair and she kept taking him back and trying to make it work and just found out that he was having another affair. And she says, oh, I hope I... I hope the Lord's done with trying to show me something. I know the Lord's trying to show me something by him having affairs. I wrote her back, Lord's not trying to show you anything. This is his decision. 
and he is hurting you and himself. This is not God at all. This is not God's will for you. This is not God's desire that that this man would hurt himself and you and his family. My goodness, man, that's awful. Verse 33, wounds and disgrace will this immoral person get and his reproach will not be wiped away. Now, remember, we read something key here, Pam in 32. This person who does this is destroying their own life. Oh, it's just so hard to imagine someone actively destroying their own life. Wounds and disgrace will they get. Why? Because they brought it on themselves. They they did it to themselves. Yeah. They're basically falling on their own sword. Right. 34, for jealousy makes the wronged man furious. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance upon the detected one. Verse 35, he will not consider any ransom offered to buy him off from demanding full punishment. Neither will he be satisfied, though you offer him many gifts and bribes. You know, there's some things, there's some things in life that just don't have a price on them. And there are people that have been wounded so deep by unfaithfulness. And by immorality, people that have been cut to the very core of their being. But, you know, thank God for the priceless, let me say it this way, the priceless, pure, undefiled blood of Jesus. The word says that we have been bought, purchased with a price far above silver and gold. There is no commodity on planet Earth can compare with the blood of Jesus. So right now, in the precious name of Jesus, we just speak life over you, my dear friend. We speak life over you. You are a child of God, and we are learning from the Word of God, and there is a diligence coming up on the inside of you. As you meditate on the Word of God, you're already even planning to hear more of the Word of God, and that's probably the greatest plan that we can have, is to plan more of the transfusion of God's word to the inside of our hearts and our minds and our thoughts and our life and thank God that everything that's not of God and that's not of the kingdom we can bring to the foot of the cross we have the power to renounce it denounce it in the name of Jesus and Father we thank you that Lord you are bringing a rightness in our heart and that means also an alignment with your way of thinking we love what you love Father Mm -hmm. and God we hate what you hate Yes, we hate the stuff that hurts humanity, that hurts people. We hate lies. That's why we don't even tolerate it, Lord, in ourselves. We hate, Lord, the, the shedding of innocent blood. We hate, Lord, those things that manufacture wickedness and wicked plans against people. Father, we don't tolerate, Lord, those seeds that could be sown that cause discord among the brethren. We err on the side of speaking life, love, mercy, forgiveness, and trying to promote brotherly love and affection within the family of God and protecting the integrity of relationships, Lord God. Father, we don't want to just not do the wrong thing. We want to avoid it at all costs, staying away from even the appearance of evil. Father, we're just so thankful for your word right now. We're so thankful, Lord, that you filled us with a heart, Lord, of compassion and reconciliation and that we can, all of us, be ministers, Lord, of that reconciliation for humanity, for other people, Lord God, leading them, God, into the goodness of your favor, your blessed grace, all in the precious name of Jesus. And for restoration. Father, I thank you for somebody right now that 
they're just feeling like, well, what's the use? I've made so many mistakes. I've gone down that road. Well, right now, I say to you, God sees. You're seeking after God's way of thinking and doing things. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done. God's will is a hope, a future, and good things for you. So because you're submitting yourself to wisdom, understanding, and repentance, God wants to restore. He's got a future, a hope, and good things for you. And Father, some people right now, they're as they were reading the beginning of Proverbs 6, Lord, they realized that they've made some they've made some bad agreements, some wrong agreements. They've signed on the dotted line where they shouldn't have. They've even made some vows, agreements with people that were outside the covenant, outside your wisdom. Father, they were snared with the words of their mouth. But God, it's not hopeless. Never. It's not hopeless because we serve the word. Thank you, God, for your word. You are your word. And your word is good. And as children of the word, we can have alignment right now as we repent, we humble ourselves. And so, Father, right now for my dear brothers and sisters, Lord, who are trying to bring alignment, Lord, and even get back the value and the weight of their own word. Father, I pray that you just give them direction now. How to bring correction. Lord, give them direction. How to bring alignment to their word again. And how to humble themselves and make things right. And get their vows on the right track. Father, I thank you that you're restoring power to their word. Power to their promises. All in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Oh, it's always good to be in God's Word and just feel the life that comes from meditating on that Word, right? Yes, it does. And we're hearing so many exciting things from people on their way to college, on their way to classes, in high school, where um, husband and wife are sitting down and, and listening to the podcast together, the family. Yeah. Um, if you want any of these notes from any of our stuff, you just email us. Sign up for The Living Room. The Living Room is a worldwide growing community of people that want to live life strong in the power of their identity. There's so many things that happen, free things that you get. We love you and we bless you. Yes, we sure do love you. So please share this. And like I mentioned in the beginning of our talks, I grew up in a home with a single mom, and my mom always directed me to get wisdom from his word, especially starting in the book of Proverbs. And I just want to encourage you, share this with some single moms who have sons and daughters that it's really tough being a single mom. It's a lot of work, and I have so much respect and love for the single moms and single dads out there that are just dedicated to raising their children. So let's help them. Let's help mentor those beautiful kids. I'm one of them, so I guess I just called myself beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) But um, share this word with them. Share this, pass this on with them so that they can listen and meditate on the word of God. Because, you know, young people need encouragement, whether they're six years old. Man, I got into Proverbs when I was just a little boy. But whether they're six years old, 16, or whether they're 26 or 36, there's still young men and women out there, even at 26 and 36, that are struggling with their identity. And it's the word of God that makes that incorruptible transfer of the seed of God's DNA and helps your identity come to life. So help people out. Make sure you like this podcast and pass it on and share it with that single mom. I just really know it's going to be life for her, help for her, and for that single dad. It's going to be help for them, and it's going to be a beautiful thing for their children. And just remember, Jesus came to give you life and give you abundant life. Oh, that's good, Pam. Good ending. God bless you, and have a phenomenal day. And remember always that you You are are born born to win win. in Christ Jesus. 
Thanks for listening to Stephen and Pam Marshall. To receive more information or more teaching, go to www.stephenandpam.com. Stephen and Pam Ministries is a 501c3 charitable organization and your gift helps us to take this message to 1,000 communities worldwide.